Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wonderful. I'm so glad to be here tonight. You know, before we get started, can everybody just stand up on your feet? We're just going to thank the Lord. We're just going to give honor where honor is due. Stand up on your feet and just lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven. Turn your hearts to heaven. Hallelujah. We are here for you, oh, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we don't come to hear from man. We don't come to see man, Lord, but we come to hear from you. We thank you, oh, Father, for your spirit that is in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us, Lord, and that you're speaking to our hearts even now, oh, Father. Lord, position us in a place, Lord God, to receive and to hear from you, oh, Lord. We leave the day at the door, and we come in to encounter and experience you, to experience your presence and everything that you have for us, oh, God. We lift up our praise to you. We lift up our worship to you, oh, Lord, for you and you alone are worthy. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can have a seat. Amen. Well, wonderful. So glad to be here. Well, I'm just going to jump in because we have a lot to go over today. But before I start, I, I want to just preface with this. Okay. Conviction is good. Amen. Right? Amen. Condemnation is bad. Amen. <laughs> there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Now, conviction is ours, and it is good. Condemnation is general, it's overall, it's, it's very broad. Condemnation says, oh, you know, Pastor Dave, you're a bad husband, okay? There's no correction there. What do you want me to do about that? Conviction says, hey, so that thing you said to your wife this morning, I wasn't pleased by that, you should go apologize. Great. There's correction there. There is a leading there. He's very specific with us. So today, we need to know that conviction is good. Amen? That's from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about the fire of God and the sacrifice of his people. Okay? So before we get into what that has to do with us right now as New Testament believers, we need to go back to the Old Testament and see what priests did. Because we are called to be priests before the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So turn in your Bibles to Numbers 3. You know, this is kind of interesting for me because I'm a children's pastor. So there's always some sort of like object lesson or picture because they're very visual and hands-on. But the Lord was like, no, no, none of that. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the picture we're going to get today is from the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Amen. So in the Old Testament, priests were like mediators. They were the mediators between God and the Israelites and the Israelites to God. They had very specific jobs. Their job was to service the tabernacle of the Lord. You know, what we would say is someone that's like that is like, oh, you have no life. That's all you do. Literally, that's all they did. That's all they were set apart to do was service the tabernacle of the Lord day and night, night and day, 24-7. That's what they did. They were the ultimate symbol of holiness. 
They wore special garments. They facilitated sacrifices. That's the main thing that they did. And they were mediators. And they were consecrated to the Lord. So let's look at this. Numbers 3. Wow, I should get there. 10 through 12 we're going to do. Okay, verse 10. You shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall attend to their priesthood. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Don't worry, that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now behold, I myself has ta have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine. Now, what he's talking about there when he's talking about opening the womb, when the Israelites were still in Egypt, when they put the blood on the doorpost and the angel of death came by, the Israelites and all of their cattle, all of their firstborn, after that, all of those firstborn belonged to the Lord because the Lord had mercy on them because of his graciousness and the blood that was on the door. They belonged to him. Now he's saying, okay, swap. I want the Levites. I want a specific pedigree for my priests, and they're going to come from this tribe specifically. Do you know God is very specific? Yes, he is. He doesn't do anything by accident. He wanted them very specifically. Okay, turn with me. We're just going to do some, we did some sort drills with the youth on Sunday. So turn to Exodus 19. Five. I'm just going to lay a foundation here. Exodus 19, 5. So he called the Levites to himself, very specifically. Yet, he made a very specific promise to Moses. It was conditional. But the Lord is always seeing the end game. Exodus 19.5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the, all the earth is mine. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words with which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So he's telling them, you're going to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, yet separate just this one people to me. Not a contradiction. He's telling them where he's taking them. But notice that he didn't say, oh, you're already a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. No, there was a stipulation. Okay, you, if you will indeed obey my voice, verse 5, and keep my covenant, then you shall be. It wasn't automatic. So he's telling them very specific rules. So let's look at us, okay? First Peter, see if I can get there for you guys. I win. <laughs> First Peter 2, 7, through 10. Y'all ready? All right. First Peter 2, 7. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Jesus is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become a chief 
cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has called us to be, I love, he uses a lot of descriptive words. See, in the office, Pastor Dave has to like edit the rest of us staff when we're writing things, and he's like, too many descriptions. Be simple, just tell them what it is. No, not the Lord. He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and Pastor Dave does that so that you guys can read easily, I trust. He does an amazing job at that. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. He has made us that in Christ Jesus, but we have to understand that even if you proclaim the Lord, you still have to obey his voice and keep his commands. Right? Do you agree? We have to obey his voice and keep his commands. When he's saying chosen, royal, holy, that doesn't, we're not our own people. We belong to the Lord. And so we have to do what the Lord asks us to do. Amen? Okay. So one word that I really want to point out on this scripture specifically is he says you're a royal priesthood. And I like that because that means that you're a, you're king's and priests. We see that in Melchizedek. We see that in David. David kind of was his own breed. He walked into the temple and was like, put the, put the garment on me. I'm going to offer the sacrifice. And they were like, okay. And the Lord accepted his sacrifice. And they were like, all right. You know, other kings, they couldn't, couldn't just go in and do that. You were either a king or a priest. If you weren't a priest, you weren't going in there offering sacrifices. You could be there, but you weren't doing the sprinkling and the whole, the whole shebang. David, he did, which is great. And then we have Jesus Christ, our great high priest, amen? amen? But he calls us to be a royal priesthood, kings and priests. So kings, you take territory and expand the kingdom of God with authority and influence. You take territory and expand the kingdom of God with authority and influence. As a priest, you serve God with direct access and fellowship with him in the throne room of God. So as a royal priesthood, God designed us to have access and authority to enter the presence of God as priests and to rule as kings. But a lot of times we be tripping. It's one or the other, or you're kind of limping in, or none at all. And maybe that's because we don't know that we're to be kings and priests ruling and reigning with the Lord. So turn to, oh, we're already, we're already there. First Peter 2, 4. So where we are now, though, like we talked about in the Old Testament, we're not offering animal sacrifices. Thank God how gruesome that is. 
We're not offering animal sacrifices as the priests of the Lord. 1 Peter 2, 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also. He's talking to the church. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Living stones forming a spiritual temple to the Lord. So I do want to address this briefly. You know, I feel like sometimes as Christians, um, we think we don't have a job to do. And people don't think, oh, it's not a job. Yeah, it, it, there is a mandate there. There's an occupation that comes with being a Christian. And it's not, oh, well, I'll just come to church on Sunday and Wednesdays, and I serve once a month, and that's my service to the Lord. No. If you are a royal priesthood, you service the tabernacle day and night, 24-7. You don't get any time off. Now, that sounds harsh, but it's really great. It's really great being able to be in the presence of God every moment of every day. Amen. You don't think that the presence of God wasn't inhabiting the tabernacle always? Let's look at this. Okay. Spiritual sacrifices replace the material sacrifices of the Old Testament. Thank you, Lord. Let's talk about some of these spiritual sacrifices that we offer up as a royal priesthood. Y'all are really looking at me like I'm wild. And <laughs> so spiritual sacrifices include prayers, praise, your will. We're going to talk about that. Your body, time, talents. These sacrifices are accepting and pleasing unto the Lord. A lot of times I feel like we can get into a place with God where it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Mine, mine, mine. Oh, Lord, you know, I just want this blessing, and I want this, and I want that. Lord, I just want to be used by you. Lord, this, this, this. What about what he wants? Lord, what, are you, what would you like? He's like, I want the sacrifice of praise. Say less. I'll give it to you. What do you want, Lord? So, and our sacrifices to the Lord are to be as he sees fit. You look at Cain and Abel. Cain wanted to offer a sacrifice that he wanted to offer. The Lord was like, hey. He was offering, was he not? We have to offer on the Lord's terms. We offer what the Lord, what's acceptable to him, what's pleasing to him. Okay, let's keep going with this. I'm just going to fly through this a little bit right here. Prayer is a spiritual sacrifice. I love prayer because it's communion with God. It's complete dining with him. I love that when he says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and he that answers to me, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. How incredible. 
It doesn't say, I knocked and then, you know, I went away. No, he's knocking. And he who hears my voice, ah, thanks, Jake. You're a real one. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, he's calling to us. Open the door. Come, let me dine with you. You dine with me. What kind of life is that? To continually be communing with the Lord God Almighty. To continually be dining with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as priests, to open that door, we need to take time. Stop what you're doing. Go to the door. Open it. What does that look like? Prayer. I'm walking. Lord, I'm drawing to you. I'm coming to you. Spending time in the world. Just turning your face to him during the day, whatever you're doing. Turn your face to him. Praise is a spiritual sacrifice. Turn to Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Praise is a spiritual sacrifice. Okay, he says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Amen. He requires, he's telling us, the sacrifice of praise. Doing good to others. Lifting up his name. The fruit of your lips. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord. I used to think, I said this to the women, I used to think, well, if I don't say it, it doesn't really count. I didn't say it. No, he says, the, the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart, let it be pleasing to him. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, Holy Ghost, you're going to tell me. Because that's the work of the Spirit. So I would start thinking, and the Lord's like, hey, that's not pleasing. I'm like, oh, you're right, thanks. He helps us. This isn't things that we have to do on our own. The priests, the Levitical priests, you think they were like, all right, we're just going to guess to see what we're going to do. They'd all be dead. <laughs> to guess. No, God gave them specific instructions on what to do, how to offer, what to offer, how to come before him. He, it's the same with us now. Read your word. He will tell you what to do, what to bring to him, what to lay down, what to pick up, how to come before him. You don't have to do this on your own. You shouldn't do it on your own. It won't work out. It won't. Surrendering your will is a sacrifice to the Lord, spiritual sacrifice, but it's worship to God. This is worship to God. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? Mm. Surrendering your will. The more you look at Jesus, the more his will becomes yours. Jesus said, I love that he said that. He said, my bread, they were like, oh, did anybody give him something to eat? And he said, my bread is to do the will of my father. That's my bread. That's what fills me every day is to do God's will and to do what he asks of me to do. You know, when we get, so don't raise your hands. I'm going to ask two questions. Don't raise your hands. Raise your hands in your minds, okay? Raise your hands in your minds. So raise your hand in your mind, if Jesus is your savior, okay, in your minds, great, see those hands, 
Put them down. Raise your hands in your mind if Jesus is your Lord. I hope everybody's hand went up. Okay, put your hands down. Savior Jesus and Lord Jesus should rule in your life. People want Savior Jesus. Oh, get me saved. I want the blessings. I want to go to heaven, but they don't want to submit to his lordship. Mm. That's why he's called the great high priest. That means he's above the other priests. So Aaron was the high priest. If all the other ones were like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm, that's not how that works. He is our Lord. There's freedom in this. There is freedom in knowing and submitting yourself to the Lord Jesus. People think, oh, well, I have to give this up and give that up. Yeah, I asked the Lord, Lord, why, why can't I do what, all, what some of my other Christian friends are doing? He's like, because you want more from me. You want more of me? That requires more of you. It, hello? You want more of God. You will start entering into a place of surrender and submission. You would have been like, oh, snap. What? But there is freedom there. When you start walking in the freedom of God, I'm telling you, Submit yourself to the Lord. And as a kingdom of priests, that means there's a king over us, y'all. You know, we, we don't make up our own rules. If we live in the kingdom of God, there's no democracy. We've been spoiled here on this earth. We don't get to vote in a king. He is the king. And there's no questions to that. And in the millennium, you know, when, when Jesus says, go do this, we don't just say, mm, don't feel like it. Nah. Let's just practice now, huh? Let's just practice doing right now. Let's just say that, huh? Okay. So spiritual sacrifices are any words, deeds, motivations. Wait, read. Spiritual sacrifices are any words or deeds motivated by a desire to glorify God alone. Sacrifice is a part of worship to the Lord. And we were made to worship God. Bringing spiritual sacrifices to God is, is joining in fellowship with him. Because he comes down and meets us in that place. Okay. So, we see in the Old Testament and in these scriptures that we read that God's design and his desire is for a holy people in a kingdom of priests. So then I'm thinking, as the Lord's bringing this up to me, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I see your design and I see your desire. How is it then do we have a kingdom of priests offering wicked sacrifices? How is it then do we have a kingdom of priests that have idols on their altars? How is it do we have kingdoms of priests with strange fires going up? Aaron had two sons, and they went in that tabernacle and tried to do their own thing, eliminated. You're not going to be eliminated, but we cannot have strange fire when we're worshiping the Lord. And that's what the Bible called it, his two sons. They offered, it was strange fire, which means fire that did not come from God. Something was offered there that was not pleasing to the Lord, acceptable to the Lord, or for the Lord. 
Do you have strange fire on your altar? Okay, go to Exodus 20. Mm. No, sorry. Go to 1 John. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> go to 1 John 5.21. Go to 1 John 5.21. I will read Exodus 21, though, while you guys are going to 1 John 5.21. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. Any likeness of anything, any carved image, none of that. Okay, 1 John 5, 21. Very simple. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what it says. Psalms 115. You can turn there if you want to, but I'm just going to start reading it. Psalm 115, verse 2. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God in heaven. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold. The works of men's hands, they have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. Ear, they have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So, so is everyone who trusts in them. Those who make them, those who are like them, those who trust in them, are like them, so useless and lifeless. Any idol, any God that is on the altar of our heart that is not the most high God, the great God Jehovah, is useless and lifeless. There is no life in it. Amen? Amen. Do we agree? Yes. Idol worship is strange offering in strange fire to God. You know your family can be an idol. Your children can be an idol. TV, friends, technology, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Strange fire. It does not belong on the altar of your heart. Altars are to offer and receive things. That's where you offer and receive things. You know, the Levitical priests, they didn't just throw the animals on the ground and slaughter them there and burn them up. No, they had to put them on something. When I'm talking about idols, you put idols on your heart. I'm not talking about little statues. I mean, if you do worship a statue, throw that out and renounce that and turn your heart to the Lord God Jehovah. <coughs> but these are things that we put on, our, on, the, oops, on the altar of our hearts. And if you're sitting here thinking, oh, I don't, have any I don't have any idols, just ask God. I did that like a month and a half ago. I was praying, oh, God, oh, Lord, hallelujah, oh, Jesus. Lord, show me, oh, God. Show me, reveal to me, oh, God. Any idols? He said, you. I said, ah. 
me? You acting like your own God. I said, oh. Correction is good. Conviction is good. I said, oh, we're going we gonna, we gonna to run that back right now. Couldn't be me. I said, we're not doing that. But I thank God. Tell me. You've been acting like your own God. You go to work, and you come home. You do whatever you want to do. You have your time of prayer. You have your time in your word, but you still do what you want to do. You never once asked me, Lord, what do you want me to do? People think, oh, that's just, it's not that serious. You don't have to ask God about doing this or that. You don't. You might not have to. But if you want more of the Lord, start involving him in your life. That's just what it is. And if you're finding that the Lord is not present in your life, you're probably your own God. Okay, moving on, because um, altars are to offer worship, praise, thanksgiving, vows to the Lord, and sacrifices. Altars are also to receive, back in the Old Testament, forgiveness, restoration, purification, and atonement. I'm just going to read this scripture, y'all. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. If you're a Bible warrior and you want to pop, pop, pop over there, go ahead. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the spirit of God dwells in you. What an honor. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You are the temple of God and you are a priest. So you should be servicing the altar of your heart day and night, 24-7. Now that doesn't mean you have to be thinking, okay, okay, I can't think about anything else. I can't do anything else. I have to just, I have to just you know, focus on God. Man, that's just bondage. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. The Lord, the Holy Ghost will show you and he will lead you in servicing your altar to him. And he will give you scripture to do it. He will. Okay, let's go look at an example of two sacrifices made to two different gods. See what happens. We're going to see Elijah in 1 Kings 18. Verse 16. I really like this story. We ministered this Bible event to the kids, and then we watched like a super book because they like to see things. They were baffled at the absolute mayhem of this event. So we're going to look at it. They were like, they were chanting and worshiping. Yeah, don't do that, y'all. I'm going to tell your parents. Okay, so we're looking at Elijah, right? He's coming and he's presenting himself to Ahab, and he's like, Ayo, uh, I'm back. I was running from you, but here we go. So, okay, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? I love that. They just, they killed all their prophets and they just did not like the righteousness and the holy word that came with them because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. So they were like, you're trouble for us because you're not letting us do what we want. Hmm. Praise the Lord. And he answered, Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. 
in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to come on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahaz sent for all the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said, all right, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose a bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull, lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. Then you call on your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Fair? Fair. They said, all right, bet. So they took two bulls, verse 26. So they took the bull, which was given to them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar they had made. What a sight. They were really worshiping this thing. You know, we read this, and we're like, oh, God answered one, and, and the, the false God didn't answer the other. Yes, that is true. But these folks are really offering a sacrifice to this false god, cutting themselves. Oh, let's keep going. Here we go. And so it was at noon. Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances till the blood gushed out of them. Straight up sacrifice. I mean, big time sacrifice. I'm not going before God cutting myself. Ain't happening. He doesn't require that of me because that, no. Thank you for Jesus for the blood, okay? I don't need to do that. But that, that is a sacrifice. You're jumping around, dancing around, cutting yourself for this false God. So they cried aloud. Oh, wait. So let's go to verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near me. So all the people came near him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then jump to verse 33. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, fill four pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, do it a third time. Then the water ran all around. Verse 36, he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. That's my God. That's what's up. That's my God. All consuming fire. But we have to know the fire falls on the sacrifice. God's not consuming no empty altar. 
the fire falls on the sacrifice. If you don't have the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in your life, what sacrifice are you putting on the altar? Because he will consume it. He will consume a sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to him. He doesn't fall on manipulation. He doesn't fall on religion. He doesn't fall on evil. Amen? Okay. Now, let's go. No, I'm just going to read it. Leviticus 6.13 says, and this is talking about the altar in the tabernacle, a fire should always be burning on the altar. It should never go out. Amen. The cry of our heart should be, God, keep me burning. Amen. Show me what sacrifice I'm making to you today. What a joy it is to come before your presence and lay it down. Amen. Lay it down, lay it down, because everything I have I got from you anyway. Right. Let me lay it down, Lord. Okay, so really quick, let's go and look at what the reality of this is for us, like for real, for real. Okay, Matthew 25, the parable of the brides, the ten brides, or the parable of the ten virgins. Okay, this is, yeah. Matthew 25, all right. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So the bridegroom in this parable is Jesus, praise the Lord. And the bride, or the ten virgins, is the church. Okay? Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish, foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. At, and at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming! Go out to meet him! Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wives, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. So you can see I'm a children's pastor, huh? <laughs> Give us some of your oil, for your lamps are going, our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, they're calling him Lord, open to us. But he, said, he answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Notice, all ten of them were brides. All ten of them had lamps. All ten of them were literally drawn to the same place. They all woke up. They all trimmed their lamps. They all looked the exact same. Here, here, here. They all looked the exact same. Yet only five of them were received. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's kind of scary. Only five. 
Did it say that? Only five of them were received. What was the problem? Everything was, everything was good, everything was fine, till it came to the problem of the oil. Do you know the oil is what burns? It came to the problem of the oil. No oil, no burning. No sacrifice, no burning. It's not happening. You can't live, this is telling us, you cannot live on borrowed oil. You cannot live on other people's anointing. You can't live off of other people's faith. You can't live off of other people's walk with God. You need your own oil. And I tell you what, there is no lack of oil with God. There's no, there's a surplus. You want oil as a priest? We have access. Knock, knock, knock. I'm coming into the throne room. I'm coming for the oil. The oil of the Holy Ghost that burns in your life. That's the fire of God. The fire of God. You don't need borrowed revelation. You don't need a borrowed relationship with the Lord. When the fire of the Holy Ghost burns on our altars, you can't, it's impossible to have strange fire because it's already burning. It's already burning with the Lord. No strange fire here. It's already consumed. Mm. Praise the Lord. You can't borrow oil. You cannot sacrifice properly with oil that is not, that you do not get from the Lord. He will lead us. And good news, we all have access to the same oil. We all have access to the same fire. We all have access to the same instructions on how to sacrifice to the Lord, how to get the oil, lean into the Lord. Amen? Amen. If you find that you have strange fire tonight, and you want to exchange it for the fire of God, just lean into him. He is right there. He is right there. Lean into his presence. What did Elijah say? He called on God. Oh, God. The fire didn't just come down. Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let this happen so that they might turn their hearts back to God. That's a pure heart, not so that I can have this great demonstration. No, I want them turned back to you, O oh Lord. And I'll leave you with this. I heard someone say, God, you provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice. And I'm telling you, when the fire of God is burning in your life, people are going to be asking you, what's going on with you? And you're going to say, well, let me tell you what. Master Jesus Christ is what's up with me. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, 
holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's possible, or he wouldn't have told us. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's possible. Praise God. You provide the fire, I'll bring the sacrifice.